Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the LSU Sports Podcast from the Red Zone Report. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined also by my co-hosts, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, we're going to get into a few LSU things. It was actually quiet on the recruiting front, but there were some tidbits that come out. But I uh, wanted to check in with you guys first. How was, uh, how was your fourth? It was good. Uh, thanks for asking. Had a nice, nice uh, relaxing day off. And, uh, but, you know, the podcast life never stops, so I've been uh, hard at work <laughs> thinking about what to talk about for, this, po- for this, uh, this episode. Yeah, same with me. Had a good time. Probably should have taken Friday off of work to get uh, that extra day of uh, rest in there, but rolling back into it now. Doing good. It was nice to have that day. Celebrate. And good to hear. Glad to hear everyone's uh, ready to go back at it, too. Um, so today I was just, we're going to, just to give a brief overview, uh, again, there wasn't really any recruiting news, which was, you know, I guess the, the Orgeron staff finally took a week off themselves, seeing as how recruiting rarely takes a break. Uh, but they, you know, they, it was pretty quiet this week. Um, but there was some, there was a coaching hire and there's also some, uh, some more preseason honors that came out. So, uh, I wanted to ask you guys about this coaching hire. So uh, Ed Orgeron hired one of his former head coaches, uh, John Robinson, who he worked under at USC, uh, I believe. Uh, and John Robinson also went on to coach in the NFL. He uh, coached the Rams. Uh, but he actually, he was most known for his, uh, his championship at USC back in 78. Um, and then after that, he went to the NFL, and then I think he went back to USC for a little bit. I don't know if it was in term or not. Uh, and then he kind of just, you know, rode off into the sunset. He, he had last coached uh, for San Marcos High School in California back in 2010. So, you know, I thought it was interesting that, A, LSU was going to hire anyone else. Um, you know, they just added offensive and defensive personnel. And John Robinson, you know, it wouldn't – I don't know if he really had a specific area other than he's just going to – I think help coach Orgeron with, uh, you know, day-to-day planning of practice, dealing with personnel and maybe even some game planning. Um, uh, but again, I, I'm not sure who's doing who the favor here. Cause uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe they just got to talking and, you know, you know, recreated a, an old friendship, a, a coaching friendship. And coach O said, Hey, uh, you know, I'll, I'll help if you want me to. I could use your help if you'd like to give it. And Robin said, sure, I'm not doing nothing. Um, I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you guys think uh, the purpose of this hire is? I was going to say that it's kind of hard to say exactly what he's going to do. Uh, you got this guy. He's got a lot of experience, obviously, coached for many years, both with USC and the NFL with the Los Angeles Rams. So at least he's been around the block and has pretty much seen everything. He went 4-0 when he was at the Rose Bowl, in the Rose Bowl while he was at USC, so he can win a big game. And to, to have that kind of senior experience at Coach O's side is definitely valuable. What his exact role in the program will be, as he said, is kind of TBD, but he's probably just providing some sort of senior presence in the locker room and as well as just sorting out the football logistics, I guess you could say, of – what needs to be done to keep a, a program of LSU size chicken. Yeah. See, I, when I, when I see this hire, I, I look at, uh, I look at the, the trend of the Cali to the boot connection that we've been talking about on almost every pod that we've had so far, where 
you know, Coach O has those connections uh, deep in California from his time at USC. He goes into these high schools that pretty much no other SEC team has, has been able to touch, and he's able to pull out incredible talent. And so a guy from a school like San Marcos, uh, he coached there, and you know, in two, he returned to San Marcos in 2010. I would imagine that he's got uh, connections all over the state. And you can, if you bring in a guy like a familiar face like that who knows all the different coaches and knows all the different all that talent, um, you know, I think that's a, that's a good uh, a good asset to have when you're on the recruiting trail, especially when you're when you're looking toward look at when you're looking west, like Coach O is. Yeah, just to jump in there, um, Scott, you had said that there wasn't really much recruiting news to tie this in. Uh, Kendall Milton is the number two running back in the country for the 2020 class. And he narrowed down his top five to Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, and Texas about a week ago. And he's from California as well, so maybe Coach Robinson has uh-huh. something to do with that. And he he did come out as saying that he talks with Elias Ricks, LSU number one DB recruit from California, all the time about LSU. So if Elias Ricks can bring Kendall Milton back to the booth, that'll be great. Oh, and then one more thing is that uh, Kendall Milton has announced that he is going to declare where he's committing on July 29th, which is my birthday. So all I want for my birthday is that five-star running back commit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, yeah, you you just might get it. You just might get it. Uh, Yeah, that's a good point, uh, Daniel and Tommy, that uh, Coach O has been hitting California pretty hard. So pulling in a guy that is not only coached at the – top level he's worked at every level in california most recently with high school which uh you know that does make total sense that orgeron would want to use his knowledge i mean he he knows who to talk to who's the good programs who's you know who, who's guy you can kind of lean on or what's a guy that's you know he's not really friendly to outside outside uh programs uh that's all good too i also thought and you know it's just a, it's a it's a long shot too but Coach O has been bringing in people from everywhere, and I think he's doing all this, you know, just to cover all his bases. You know, people had a lot of doubt about him, and he knows he hasn't had a successful head coaching, at least on his own. That, everyone goes back to Ole Miss. You know, they, they can look at USC at 6-2 and two and look at his interim here at LSU and just say, well, you know, they, you know, they wanted to play for him, but he – is not going to waste this opportunity. He has been bringing in everyone that he can help. A lot of USC guys, you know, that's, he had some roots there, obviously. Um, but I think he, he used to use, uh, he used a lot of Pete curls systems and programs in his coaching culture. And I think he's just like, what else can I get? You know, what, what else can I do? I'm never going to stop learning. You know, even, even, uh, Nick Saban brings people in to, to talk about things. So, uh, I think he's just doing everything he possibly can. And if he can have a championship coach on his side in his ear for game planning and how to deal with players, I think, you know, that's, that's just going to help him succeed even more. I think goes, you know, he's just going all in on himself. And uh, I, I can't say I blame him. You know, the, the, the hire came out of left field a little bit, but I think we can see why it's, I, I agree with you on the, uh, on the recruiting aspect, but I, I think he, he just wanted another stable voice behind him. Yeah, it's def- I can see, definitely see like the culture aspect. Um, you know, Coach O was there during like the uh, the glory years of the Pete Carroll, you know, USC era, and yeah. you know they they were kind of that uh, you know very early um, 
predecessor to the to the high flying offense with uh with Reggie Bush and and uh, all their other playmakers, and so you know he's trying. I can see where he's trying to put together a modern a modern uh you know take on that on that type of program. So you know bringing in some of the old guys who've been there before with that USC program, and then um, adding in some of the new faces as well. Uh, you know I'm. I'm excited for for whatever you know. There's obviously a reason that he's bringing him in, and I'm excited to kind of see that materialize. Right. Yeah, the only the only negative thing I could potentially think about this is if maybe one or two more hires like this happen, it almost looks like Coach O is trying to get a little bit of an old boys club going on, where he's bringing his old favorite assistant coaches and whatnot, and then they all kind of become entrenched here, and so there's just this kind of hive mind, and then it's hard to get rid of you rid of any one of them if things kind of take a turn for the worse but i don't really think that's what's going on i mean he sees that this guy's a winner and he wants wants him to come help out here so it's good at least for right now well and he's he's, he's only a senior, he's quote senior consultant so you know that this i think uh nick saban hired you know notable uh notable I'm not going to say alcoholic but <laughs> notable drinker steve sarkeesian as a consultant and I don't think anyone, you know, I don't think anything bad came of that. So, uh, you know, I, I think that this, this really can only be good. It's not going to be, he's not going to tear down the locker room or, or you know, trough some sort of <laughs> dissension among the, among the coaching staff. Um, but yeah, I do right. agree with you, Daniel, that if he, you know, if, if it turned into uh, all of Coach O's buddies just getting cush jobs, then that could be a problem. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, uh, John Robinson, I think, has probably enough money. You know, that's probably why he went back to high school. I mean, the, the guy like that could continue coaching in college if he wanted to. Uh, I, I, I uh, saw something Bruce Spellman had wrote, um, and I didn't know this, but his John Robinson's wife is actually from New Orleans and is an LSU grad. Uh, but I think part of it has to do with him missing being around a team. Um, but he, he seemed really excited about this. At least that's what the, the, the quote I'm reading says. I've missed being around a team. I'm really excited about this. So uh, maybe it's just as simple as that. Uh, Coach O asked for his help, and he, he wants to give it. Um, but, you know, that uh, – I don't know. Do you guys think we'll see any more hires before the, before the season starts? Is there a room? I, I, would, I would doubt it. Uh, but you never know. I, I the the uh, coaching staffs are so amoeba like, where you know they they cut and and add positions all the time, and they add positions like consultant or um, what's the other one they've been doing? Oh, analyst. You know, everybody will be an analyst. They'll bring right. on an analyst. So you never know. I don't know. I don't even know. You know what the uh, what the full uh, what a full coaching staff looks like. Um, you know what each spot looks like. You save for your you know standard position coaches and your coordinators and then a head coach. So, I you know I guess if somebody has if there's if somebody's going to bring an edge to the team, then why not hire them? Yeah, I kind of doubt really anything is going to happen. They probably want to lock in a little bit for this season, just roll with who they have and not flip anything on its head right before the season is about to start. But I'm sure they're always looking on the horizon for the next opportunity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, speaking of the next opportunity, I think that's, uh, that's what we're going to call Grant Telpit's season because he just keeps getting 
preseason awards, and uh, I think you know pretty much the whole sporting press sees him probably finishing the season as an All-American, um, probably be up for some awards. I, I doubt it would be the Heisman, even if he puts on the most spectacular defensive performance um, since, I don't know, Honey Badger. But, uh, you know, he doesn't return kicks. But he was named to the preseason All-American by, by Sporting News, and then uh, two other Tigers were mentioned with college football news' preseason all-American team. First team actually was uh, Christian Fulton and Grant Delpit. So, uh, you know, a lot, a lot to be expected from these guys, I think. But, you know, that's that's kind of what they they want, and that's what you come to expect at LSU, at least from a you know a fan standpoint. Is there's going to be somebody in the defense, possibly most likely the secondary, that's going to be nominated? You know, uh, I think last season it was. Uh, it was Devin White as a linebacker and Greedy Williams. But, you know, this time there's a couple DBs. Uh, I, I, I'm, we talked about this offense last week, but I'm starting to get a little excited about the defense if you stop and think about what they're going to have and who all is coming back and the fact that, you know, this is going to be Dave Aranda's, I don't know, hopefully season to open up the playbook a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that the – I think that you bring up a good point. You know, everyone's talking about the offense, 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 and Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and, you know, all the, the running backs were picking up and uh, the receivers and everything. But um, you, you really can't uh, – you can't look at this defense and not smile because, you, like you said, we got Christian Fulton coming back who we mentioned last week. You know, I've heard from a lot of, uh, a lot of people that he was actually the more the, – the higher – rated cornerback between hit between Greedy Williams and himself prior to his, uh, his suspension. And then you've got, right. uh, Richard Lawrence, who, uh, is, you know, a real leader on that defense and, uh, elected to come back and forego the NFL draft, which was a huge, uh, a huge, you know, uh, retain for the team. Uh, especially at, because they had a hole, they were going to have, or they already had a hole at, uh, at, on the defensive line. Um, yeah. So, you know, and then like you said with Grant Delpit, you know, he's going to be that, that leader and that star. He's wearing number seven for a reason. Um, you look for him to have another great year. He's obviously, you know, clearly the number one safety in college football. And, uh, and then, of course, Michael Divinity, who had a good year last year, kind of played under that, uh, you know, it's hard to play, uh, hard to get out from under that sh- uh, shadow of number 40. But, um, right. you know, he'll be that leader of that linebacking core with two, uh, two young you know, upstarts coming up as well with uh, Jacob Phillips and uh, Patrick Queen. So the, the the defense really is stacked. Uh, Dana, what do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't say that we have any absolute star players really on the line or in the linebacking core, but definitely guys like Rashard Lawrence and then uh, Kalevon Chason coming off the edge. He never really got his chance last year getting hurt in the very first game and then only coming back at the very end. So I'm looking for him to break out in a big way. And then you're right, Michael Divinity had a lot of playing time last year under Devin White, and so he'll be leading the rest of those guys. And then obviously we have the great DBs with Delpit and uh, Christian Fulton, like you said, and then opposite him, Derek Stingley. Everybody can't wait to see what he can do. And then other guys like Kerry Vincent and Kelvin Joseph kind of rounding out the secondary. So they definitely are solid up to down, or top to bottom, I should say, and I think they'll definitely give some teams fits. 
Yeah, that's another, yeah, another I was, good point. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, when Daniel said, yeah, we don't have a star coming back, I, I almost wanted to cut him off and said, excuse me, what about Kalevon Chason? I know he got hurt last year, but this guy was going to be the next Arden Key if he hadn't hurt his, his knee. Uh, so I expect him to have that type of breakout season. And, uh, Tommy, you and I talked about this when you kind of didn't want to uh, – put your name on the line saying that, you know, uh, Ed Orgeron was the next Dabo Swinney, but that's what helped Clemson last year is all those seniors on their D line coming back. Mm-hmm. So that's what LSU has in its favor. And it's what I don't think they have had in, I, I don't know how many years. Well, yeah. You know, it's like these, the guys get a good draft grade and they go, you know, good for them. But, uh, you know, moving forward, they just, they haven't had that, sustainability so that's why i think you know people are looking at the offense worrying about what they're going to do uh i'm i'm thinking you know the defense is going to be lights out they're going to be uh probably top 10 scott i have to i'm I'm a little bit uh salty because you totally took the words out of my mouth i was about to say that clavion chase on is the next rdc he's got that same he i mean he looks he plays like and he plays real fast and he's got uh great finesse moves off the edge um so, yeah, I, I definitely think that he'll, you know, you're right in that he, if he hadn't gotten injured, I think he'd be that star that we're talking about, that, that guy that we'd look for, you know. Uh, most people don't even, you know, didn't even see him play last year. He had a great game against Miami until he got injured. So, right. coming in uh, coming in now, you know, I'm really excited to see him, and I, I think he'll be a force on the edge. And then uh, you mentioned you mentioned the uh, – the fact that we, we haven't retained people, you know, coming in for that senior year coming or, or, you know, if they're a draft eligible sophomore coming in for that junior year, they they don't make it all the way. Um, and I, you know, I'd heard from, from numerous people inside the, uh, inside the program that the players loved Les Miles. He was, you know, of course a player's coach. They loved to play for him, but they didn't want him. They didn't, they weren't, they weren't going to mortgage their NFL future to stay with him. And I think that is the difference between uh, between you know the consistent championship dynastic uh, programs and you know the, the good pro the great programs like LSU that just can't get over the top. It's that it's that talent that chooses to go to the NFL right ahead and not stay. You know when they can develop a little bit more and and really have a powerhouse team. Yeah. One last uh, thing, not really on the defense, but something I've been thinking about is. Uh, with the departure of our kicker from last year, we have Connor Culp on the roster who kicked a few years ago with not a whole ton of success. So what most people are thinking is that we have a true freshman, Katie York, coming in, and we're going to be starting this freshman kicker, and we'll see how that turns out. I'm just a little bit scared that we're going to have a situation like in the Auburn game last year uh, when Cole Tracy came in and kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired to just take that game down and move the season along and then the nerves might get to him. So if, I mean, if he can prove himself, that's amazing, but I'm hoping that's not an Achilles heel for us going into the season. Right. Because he, uh, you know, uh, last year, Tracy, he, you know, it came out of nowhere. It came out of a assumption college and just stepped in like a champ. And yeah, that's hard to replace because, there was uh, there was that game, and you know, there's probably a couple more that he won on his like maybe not on a last second field goal, but that just he contributed to the to winning. Um, 
so yeah, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But um, one thing I'm excited to see, and I don't know if it's officially official, uh, but part of the defense, somebody, all of us failed to mention. I think. Uh, no, I think I think uh, I think Daniel mentioned him, um, and that is uh, Derek Stingley Jr. And he was supposed to be getting some reps at punt and kick return. Now that is some an area that you know LSU it's improved on in the sense that you know kicking field goals, but LSU has not had you know like a, a go to a stud returner. I don't know. I want to say since since Honey Badger, um, maybe DJ Shark. DJ Shark returned some. Yeah. But but I don't know if you would like. Would you say he was as breakout as like Honey Badger or Patrick Peterson was? Um, well, I mean, it, even if he was or wasn't, I'm just saying that someone else has to be in that role. So uh, I don't know if we could if uh, if he would put a freshman back there with Stingley. But if he's the best one to do it. I say let's uh, let's light up the scoreboard with whoever's gonna whoever can do it best. You know. Yeah, you know, and, and all the all the reports coming in from, especially from spring ball, and and uh, and then you know from everyone that I've heard, they say Stingley plays like a senior. You know, he's got he's got that football IQ, and that he, you know he's not he's not the kind of freshman that comes in timid and oh you know all the nerves are going to get him. So I wouldn't be surprised if if you know he if we do see him returning some punts or returning some kicks, um, I'd love to see it happen. I think that anytime you have a you can have a playmaker. Uh, Who's who's liable to, to run off at any point? That's just another thing for the for the uh, for the opposing team to, to worry about, and that's another thing to build energy in the stadium because when when that when that punt team comes out, everyone gets up because they want to see you know what's going to happen. Right, with him, you get that electric return potential. The only thing that may be kind of nagging a coach over there is a slight fear that. Uh, Derek Stingley catches the ball and immediately gets crushed and potentially injured, and you lose your number one star recruit on the defense. And, I mean, that's very unlikely to happen, but maybe, I mean, they say kick return and punt return, most dangerous plays in football. So maybe that's why they put sometimes the second or third string people on there instead of their absolute star. I know that kind of happened to Leonard Fournette a while back when he started out returning kicks. It was doing real well, and then eventually he kind of transitioned out of that role. But so maybe Derek Stingler will light it up and keep going at it. I hope he does. But I wouldn't want to see anything bad happen there. Right. They they've got too deep of a running back class to have to rely on him. But uh, I don't know. I, I'd say. I mean, it's a good point, Daniel. That you know he would be a freshman, and you would hate to you know de- derail him too soon by you know expecting or asking too much. But. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why John Robinson was brought in was to help Coach O make those types of decisions because you know he he could get hurt on some ordinary play. He could get hurt at practice. So I guess it's just uh, how how fast and how soon to push push down on the gas. But if they if they could shore up the special teams and have uh, a threat at the return game. Then you know they they would be more of a complete team than they had been in years, you know, because they they've just kind of lacked in special teams lately. Uh, right. Offense is back on track. Defense defense has been there with the round, so now it's time for the special teams to get short up. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think you, <laughs> you you always want your special teams to be special. Uh, and, right. 
And, you know, there's, it's one thing to just, you know, take care of business and, you know, punt the ball well, receive the ball well, no, no muff punts, no, uh, you know, no fumbles or, or, you know, drop the, drop the snap when it comes to you, uh, when you're the punter. But if you can have that electric, uh, electric special teams play either way, you know, on either side, a guy who forces a fumble on a, on a punt, on a punt or, uh, you know, a punt returner who could take it all the way. That that's this kind of stuff that does that does make a huge difference, and you can ask uh, ask Alabama about what you know poor special teams play will uh, can do to your season, can do to, can do to a game, can do to a big rivalry game. So I'd love to see the uh, the LSU special teams, you know, uh, really take it to the next level this year. Yeah, I agree. They're not even they were not even in the in the top fifty last year. So uh, plenty of room for improvement. Uh, yeah, I mean, Georgia's there, Tennessee, Alabama, um, all these guys are Arkansas. You know, all these guys are way ahead of us in special teams. And, you know, like you said, uh, Alabama learned the hard way, but I, I remember Odell Beckham being the first one to do it. Uh, it was it was against a, a team that they're already way ahead by, but standing in the end zone and watching him run at 108 yards – yeah, that's something that can keep the crowd going because that's always something else to look forward to. Another weapon, you know, you don't know when it's going to happen again. So I, I, I think LSU could uh, maybe go to a, another level if, uh, if they can add that component. Um, anybody that you th- can think of, let's say it wasn't Derek Stingley, who who do you think it would be? Um, I, I know they've tried Clyde Edwards Heller back there, but I think he's going to be, you know, one of the, the featured backs. I don't, I don't think they would – maybe they'd use him on kickoff, but definitely not punt returns. Um, has there been any names floated? It's like a receiver, like uh, Jamar Chase or Derek Dillon, somebody like that. I don't, I don't know specifically. I do wonder um, – I'm trying to look it up right now. I, I can't find any confirmation. I wonder if John Emery returns punts. Um, he does return kicks, according to according yeah. to uh, to what I'm seeing. Which which you know I could see him, especially as a freshman coming in. You know, uh, like you said, they, you know I don't know if Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be back there returning kicks. So I could see uh, you know putting John Emery back there. I don't think Tyrion Davis would be the kind would be the returner type. He's more seems like more of a bruising back. Um, yeah, but you know, same with uh, Emery, Chris Curry. Yeah. Yeah, maybe John Emery's the, the guy who who can return. I, I think he'll probably definitely return kicks if uh, if he gets like a featured position in the in the offense. But um, you know, he might be a punt returner too. I'm not sure. Right, that might be a good way to kind of slowly introduce him onto the field, the big stage, and get a little bit of experience under his belt before they potentially uh, transition to him or Tyrion Davis. Maybe later in the season as more of a feature back uh, is the compliment to Clyde Edwards-Alaire and then Chris Curry and Leonard Fournette. Oh, that's right. Uh, people seem to forget about Leonard Fournette, but I, I feel like this could be somewhat of a breakout season for him. I mean, he's been around for three years now, and he's, uh, he's, he's shifty, man. I, I was watching some games last year and even some in the, uh, the spring game, you know, what you could see. Uh, he's, he's shifty. I mean, he's like Edward Solaire, just more of like a more forward downhill runner. So I think they're, they're kind of uh, – have an embarrassment of riches of sorts in the running back room. Uh, so yeah, I imagine some of these guys would be in the, in the kickoff return. We just got to find that number one punt return guy that can uh, take it to the house. Maybe. 
I, th- I think I he's got to be Stingley. Uh, I mean, we went to the we went to the spring game, and he returned a punt at the spring game. Now he didn't. Uh, yeah, there was no competition. They they didn't run after him or anything. He did he did though take it back to the house against you know the air defenders. So uh, and then he kind of right. celebrated like he scored a touchdown. Uh, Right. I, I think I think he's definitely got to be the guy because um, I was actually I was looking at uh, like a projected depth chart and you know I don't I I, I assume he'll start at um at cornerback uh, but they were naming another they were naming another you know cornerback uh, that they had uh, let me see what was the name again uh, you mean to start opposite of uh, opposite Christian Fulton, Fulton? Uh, Manny Netherly. As a junior, so the wide receiver converted to defensive back. Yeah, interesting. So I don't know. I don't know where, where you know where they're getting that um, that projection from. I don't know who who came up with that. But you know, let's say let's say it's more of a of a committee type thing. Or I guess you know we haven't talked about it, but if if they're going to try and like we said, we've got a, a a plethora of riches in the secondary. It's it's not a bad idea to run a nickel formation and put five five. Uh, you know, five defensive backs on the field. So if you have more of a nickel back type guy, uh, you know, like a, like a, a Tyre Matthew esque player, um, right. you might, right. you might see, you know, uh, you might see Stingley in that position or, uh, him at, him at corner with, uh, this, uh, Netherly. In. But either way, I think that, uh, it's, I think it's gotta be Stingley back there. Right. I'm sure they'll go through all the rotations, all the options, each person, every position, especially in the first game against Georgia Southern, which we're a little bit blessed by to have that as kind of a tune-up game before the big one against Texas. So maybe in the second half, they'll kind of swap some people around, see who's working well where to get that really locked in before we go down to Austin and face off against them. But at least it gives us that opportunity to kind of scout it out, see how things look. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would anyone care to make a make a prediction? I'm going to go with Derek Stingley or Jamar Chase. Just going to put those out there. I could be completely wrong, but you know that's that's what projections are for. Um, how about I think, you, I think I'd have to agree with you. Yeah, that that sounds right to me. Um, either Stingley, who's who's the you know kind of touted uh, punt returner guy, you know, coming in and out of high school, or uh, the you know probably the most explosive uh, explosive run, uh, wide receiver we got. Yeah, yeah Daniel. Uh, yeah, both of those seem good options, and then they've always got Clyde Edwards-Helaire as the guy who's got a little bit of experience there. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see him right off the bat, just kind of as a safe bet. Yeah, um, and I, I I see. I see visions of Darren Sproles in my head when I think of Clyde Edwards Hilaire in this upcoming season, because if they do anything like the saints were doing or have been doing, you know, just hitting, imagine hitting that little bowling ball in space and just watching him ping pong down the field. That, that would just be amazing to watch. Um, and I think that's kind of the intention. Um, that's what they, you know, they talk yeah. a lot about uh, with the type of backs that they've been recruiting uh, with the, the Tyrion Davis and John Emery, and then with the backs that we have now, you know, so, uh, we don't have that Leonard Fournette who's six three, an absolute, you know, wall who can just run straight through, straight between the tackles and take on 
every single linebacker and, and run through them. I mean, I've been watching uh, Josh Lemoyne on Twitter post. You know, he posts highlights from all the time of just great plays, and he po- you know almost every play he posts of Leonard Fournette is him running through some SEC caliber defense. And mm-hmm. we don't, we just don't have the, you know, it's a, he's a, Leonard Fournette was a freak and, you know, you don't get, that's a generational talent you don't get all the time. So I like the, uh, the transition that they're looking to make of putting these, you know, quicker uh, lateral backs in space and letting them, you know, like you said, like letting the bowling ball run up the field and kind of, you know, run through some arm tackles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we also have a, a nice core of receivers too that Burrow is going to have hopefully a field day with. Um, but yeah, there's there's plenty of time to cover all the expectations, uh, which you could probably get to next week. Uh, but I did want to toss this out to you guys, but also to uh, to our listeners out there. Uh, tomorrow will be our seventh podcast, so I want to do a little something special since the number seven is so well-known within the, the LSU football pro- program. Uh, I toss it to you, uh, you guys, to tell me either your favorite or who you thought was the best number seven that LSU has had. Uh, I'll give you a week to think about it. Same with you at home. But uh, uh, if, you, if you think, if you want to give us your suggestions, send it to either us at the at LA red zone report at which is at R Z R L S U pod or to any one of us individually uh, at Scott Gerard one at Tommy Johnson, L a and at DF Zollinger. Uh, I think I know who I have. Uh, you guys don't have to give any hints, but mine probably won't be the first to make it famous. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Yeah, I don't know who, maybe there's someone, maybe we're not even thinking of this first person to make Seven famous. Uh, maybe we are. <laughs> but we'll have, to tune, <laughs> we'll have to tune in next week to find out. But uh, I want you guys to think about, do you already have an idea of maybe who it is, or you need some time to chew on it? I mean, I think that there's somebody who comes to mind right, you know, right to the top of my mind, but there's so many good options. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, might, I might just have to change right before Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, pull, pull up the list of all of them. Dig through. Do your power rankings. Not to pull up, make an Excel spreadsheet. Get an average draft position for all these players. All the numbers. <laughs> uh, it's like we're doing a fantasy draft for number seven, and then who's coming number right. one off the board off the top. But we'll find out. Oh, that actually. Yeah, yeah, we'll find out if we did a uh, like a fantasy draft. We could do a fantasy LSU, draft for all the LSU players in history. Um, as we kind of build a team each. Yeah, we could, maybe we could save that for another pod. That'd be kind of fun. That'd be that'd be really fun, actually. Wait, all players yeah. since two thousand or something like that. Yeah, we could do all players since yeah, since like two thousand, the modern era. Yeah, that's a good earmark to start with. Um, although that's leaving out a lot of good players from the nineties, uh, the eighties. You know, those teams True. may not have won much, but there was some good talent, some good uh, storied games. True. You know, the Bluegrass Miracle, the Earthquake Game. Um, all kinds of stuff, but uh, 2000s a good year to start with. We'll go with that. Uh, any uh, any final thoughts, guys? Before we uh, throw it to next week, uh, have a good week. Yeah, not there too much. Go. It's a good pod. Got real in depth on the roster. Can't wait to break it down once the season actually starts, though. Yes, and in addition to that, I will toss in 
But go Tigers. Uh, so yeah, if you uh, if you enjoyed our show, be sure to follow each of us at Scott Gerard One and at Tommy Johnson LA and at DF Zollinger. We are the LSU Sports Podcast from the Red Zone Report. Uh, and if you also, you also wouldn't uh, give us a little subscribe, and follow the uh, the podcast itself at RZR LSU Pod, uh, and check out the the website where you can find everything Louisiana Red Zone related. LARedZoneReport.com. That'll be it for us this week. Go ahead and hit support us and give us your number seven mentions for next week. Have a good week, everybody. See you later.
name. But then when the uh, when internet gaming became very, very popular, they added this thing called Roster Share, where you could just download the names of every single player, and somebody outside of the EA framework would make it. But I still use it today, and it's great. And even you can play twenty, you can play the old game and get the new, and you can have Trevor Lawrence and Tua and Joe Burrow on your teams. So it would it would make it so much easier because it's clear that that's what they were doing. They were profiting off the likeness. It would make it so much easier if they just admit it. We could go back to enjoying our game, and the players could have a little bit of change in their pocket. Yeah, maybe even they just have that check waiting for them once they graduate. That could be another compromise. That's a, that's know? a good idea too. You could say how you know, and you could put it in an account and have it accrue interest, and have it as like an almost like a four hundred one k. And you want to talk about actually, Scott? You might have just made the idea because you could say that's an incentive to stay in college. You could say. Oh, yeah. The more, you know, the more you play, the longer you're on this team, and if you graduate, you know, your, your money is accruing interest in a, you know, some sort of account. And when you graduate, you get this, you, get this, you know, lump sum. It's de- yeah, that's definitely that's an idea. Yeah, you put it in escrow. Like you said, it's accruing interest, and the more you stay, or the longer you stay, the more you get paid. That could be, uh, you know, they always talk about recruiting juniors. That would be possibly a good way because you know what is it one more year they just have to wait one more year uh you know if you're a first round draft pick if you get your draft grade and you're a first round draft pick you know i i don't think you'd care about 15 grand or whatever be waiting for you i think you know those guys should still go but the ones that don't get those draft grades that would be it then again you know it's maybe they're not their number is not going to be profitable ones but but still it's it's an option it's something to think about absolutely no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, any uh, anything else jump out at you guys this week? Not that I know of. I think we covered it all. You know, I'm I'm, I'm anxiously waiting uh, for the season. I was talking uh, to a buddy yesterday about it and how, you know, there's basically nothing to watch right now. So, ready to get back in that mindset of looking forward to every Saturday, and uh, you know, just happy to be on the pod again. For sure, yeah. yeah. It may not may not have been the biggest news week, but I think we got a, at least a few good discussions on it, and we'll keep ramping up as we move forward to the football season. Oh yes, we will ramp up the discussions and we will ramp up the bets. I think we got a couple going already. Um, so so far, I think Tommy. He he said, "What, what did you say last week? Do you remember? It was um, you, you didn't I want said, to go on record. I tried. To I did not want to go, go on record. record. I I alluded to the fact that if if my argument that Cocho is the new Dabo Sweeney oh, right. is correct, then we can expect some good news in maybe three to four years. Got and it. Can, and we so, will, and, you know, we'll let the listeners decide what that good news is. Maybe if you haven't listened to the last pod, go back and see what I'm talking about. But uh, it's going to be a lot of podcast episodes before then. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll right. Be, just check me. Check me on pod uh, pod number 475, and we'll see uh, if I was correct. <laughs> hey, I'll be a little bit more optimistic. I'll say uh, maybe there's a pod in January that would that would cover this and you could pay, pay this pseudo bet that you're straddling the fence on a lot sooner. Uh, so we got that one going. And then apparently I'm going to buy Daniel his Joe Burrow Jersey when he wins the Heisman and he's going to have to tell him that he has Not, to sign it. Yeah. And I have to buy the Jersey <laughs> if she scores 60 points in a game, yeah. which I still think. There we go. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, I think, 
<laughs> I think that's more possible than Bur- Burrow winning the Heisman, but we'll see. Yes. <laughs> if I'm laying odds on All that, right. I, I think that uh, I think that uh, the 60-point bet is a little bit uh, a little bit better. Yeah, and it's actually you know fairly reasonable, um, just because Joe Burrow said so, and that's that's enough for me to go on. Uh, but that'll. Uh, That'll pretty much do it for us with the LSU's podcast for the Red Zone Report. Uh, go ahead and give us a, a subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at RZRLSU Pod. You can check us out individually. I am at Scott Gerard One. We have at Tommy Johnson LA. That's capital L, capital A. And at DF Zollinger. That's Z O L L I N G E R. That'll do it for us. Uh, and if you enjoyed, be sure to follow us next week, and uh, you could also make a donation at the Support Us tab at laredzonereport.com. The more support, the more content and, you know, just outlandish bets that we can bring you folks each week. That'll do it for us. Take it easy. Go Tigers. Go Tigers, of course. <laughs>